Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Jeff Stewart. A lot of lessons for us this morning. One is on Thanksgiving, if you have guests, don't ask them to say grace. You know, I learned something early in uh, my pastoral career that kind of goes with the territory of, of being a pastor. And most of you know that I have a a bit of a minor rebellious nature about me that didn't go away after I started following Christ. And also, uh, there are my smart aleck moments. Some of you have, have suffered. There are times where someone will turn to me and say, would you say grace? And, of course, I say grace. Uh, the, uh, the awkward thing about it is sometimes people will ask you to say uh, grace. And one time, uh, my uh, sister-in-law asked me to say grace at the Thanksgiving table while we were on vacation, and I told her, no, I'm on vacation. (laughs) Now, of course, I was just kidding. I was just kidding her, but she took it seriously, and she never asked me after that, ever again after that. (laughs) We were talking about this at staff meeting, and I I was glad to know that I have a kindred spirit on staff with me that has those moments as well. I won't mention this person's name. I'll give you a hint. They're tall and thin and play great guitar. (laughs) But that person, when they're asked to say grace, they'll just bow their head silently and go, Amen. There's just something about saying grace that, that we minimalize. And, I, and I, I want us to think about that this morning, especially as, as we're getting into the Thanksgiving theme. There's, it's, it's good to have holidays trigger something in us that becomes spiritual habits. And saying grace is just, is, is become, it's become a trivial thing because we ourselves don't think of it as something that our lives should always be living. Uh, there are no rules. I mean, what are the rules? You go to, uh, say, down to uh, Coldstone Creamery and, and say, Lord, thank you for this food that's high in fat and, and will rot my teeth. And, you know, thank you very much for this. But nobody does that when you have dessert. You only do it when you're together with family. But I think you should for anything that is deemed as good. God's word says that we should receive things with thanks that, are, that come from God because all good gifts come from God. Now, if you think about saying grace, I want to work backward with that concept if you say grace. First of all, let's think about grace. Grace is a good thing. It's something that we always talk about here at Northgate because we're recipients of grace. We receive God's truth and Jesus came to us full of truth and grace. We like the grace part. Grace is a good thing. Grace really, in the Greek, means that we are given favor that is unmerited. That we are given special consideration. That we are given many things from God's goodness that we don't deserve. It doesn't mean that we're rotten. It doesn't mean that we, you know, don't accept those things. God, just out of His goodness, gives us things. And we don't think about them. So that's grace, if you think about the term grace. Now, saying grace is acknowledging it. You saw that on Fiddler on the Roof, the, uh, the Sabbath prayer. They pray before a meal and they pray after a meal. We don't do that. We finish and we depart because of God's goodness. We don't think about the, what we've enjoyed together with family. We don't think about the goodness of the meal that we've filled and the, and the, the, the uh, habit of, of Jewish uh, uh, religion has people saying prayer after the meal as well. Think about the goodness that God gives us. Think about saying grace because what we're doing is acknowledging unmerited favor to us. We're saying, God, you're good to us in everything. Not just the meal that we have. We don't simplify it with just the meal. With something we should, as we go into this Thanksgiving, 
uh, season think about consistently about the goodness that we have around us. We don't think about it enough. What we're doing when we say grace is we are acknowledging the goodness of God as a creator. And we are the recipients of it. You saw the pictures as we were singing of the waves coming forward of the creation, the product of God's goodness. And we don't think about that very much as we don't have the perspective. And that's something we need to do. We need to gain a perspective and we need to maintain a perspective. We lose the perspective because we're distracted. I'm distracted. I know you're distracted because I am distracted. As, as a person of, of, of who has received God's goodness in giving me this life. I didn't ask to receive this life, but God has given me the wonder of life. And all of us have received the wonder of life. So we need to maintain perspective. And it, it, it helps us if we focus more vertically. It's hard not to because all of our senses are seeing, are tasting, are smelling. All the things that we can gather in are from a horizontal perspective, and when we're distracted, we don't focus vertically, and we need to maintain a perspective that is focused vertically to God. We live in a world of horizontal perspectives, and we don't look up. We often look sideways, and we have short-term memory. For instance, think about this, the gas prices. That's a small little thing, isn't it? But it's a major thing for us. We often talk about the gas prices. A year and a half ago, if you are a, a rare person like me that drives a 20 mile per gallon uh, car still, not very many, many of us left, but a year and a half ago, I would fill the tank up and I would look at the final product, $30, $30, I would be angry about that $30 a year and a half ago. And then the gas prices went a little bit above $3, almost to three and a half, came back down, didn't a few weeks ago. And so two, two weeks ago, I fill my tank up and I go, yeah, $30. That's, that's my life, and that's where I caught myself as I'm thinking about driving away that a year and a half ago, I wasn't happy about that. But two weeks ago, I was. That's the way we live our lives. We're focusing on all, all the things horizontally, and we're distracted. We don't think about the goodness of God. I know because I often don't think about the goodness of God. Acknowledging God's grace, saying grace is acknowledging unmerited good. It's maintaining perspective. And God early, wanted to remind us of that. I'd like to turn, I'd like for you to turn, if you have your Bibles, to Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, and I'll have it up on the screen, or I'll list, I will uh, read it from here and you'll hear it, Deuteronomy 8, 10 through 18, this is part of God's initial principles of truth. He says, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, you will become horizontally focused. It doesn't say that there. Then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you to the vast and dreadful desert. Remember that thirsty and waterless land. Remember with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert 
something your fathers had never known to humble and to test so that you would end up, so that it would end up going well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and my strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord, your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. God wants us to maintain that vertical perspective. He lays it out early in his word. How do we maintain that? Well, I think in this chapter that I just read, Deuteronomy 8, it applies a few ways, three, of saying the same thing. But they're relevant for us today. The first one is when things are swell, don't. When things are swell, in other words, don't you swell. Don't you swell up with pride. When things are going well, don't forget how you got that way. Don't forget where everything comes from. Deuteronomy 8.14 says, Then your heart will become proud, and you will forget the Lord your God. Now Jesus, later, as he walked the earth, he had many things to say about us focusing vertically to God. He talked about the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God is like that, just to remind us. And he says himself, as he teaches in Luke 12, 13-21, these words. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, I'm horizontally focused. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man who appointed me judge or an arbiter between you. Then he said to them, that's the crowd, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Not just some kinds of greed, all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Then I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things, self, laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. Perspective. When things are swelled, don't. Don't become proud. Now, I have my moments. And they always catch me by surprise. And I know they do the same thing for you. But little things kind of indicate to me my own pride. About three years ago, I built a grape arbor. I got a picture of it here. And that grape arbor, I am proud of. I'm proud of that grape arbor. Well, that's the only grapes we've gotten out of it so far. And <laughs> the grape arbor looks great, but there's no grapes. And we smashed those and made a little bottle of wine about like that. Call it vignette. <laughs> I haven't found a corkscrew yet to be able to open it. But anyway, last summer, Tina's sister and family are here, and we're sitting in the backyard, and she looks over at the grape arbor and she goes, Was that here when you moved in? And I thought, Oh, here's an opportunity. 
Got like Barney Fife. No. Come on, ask some more questions. Well, where'd it come from? My wife says, well, Jeff made it. She looks over at me. Well, was it a kit? <laughs> nope. Well, how'd you make it? I designed it. Well, how did you do that? It's beautiful. Yeah, more questions, more questions. Bring me some more questions. Well, I just was up in Napa, and I saw a few of those up there at the winery. And I just kind of figured it out and made it myself. I'm proud of that. It doesn't look swell. Don't I look swell? I'm proud of that. Okay, that's okay. People give me a pat on the back for doing that. But I catch myself because I'm turned inward with that. I produce that myself. There's, you know, I, don't, I didn't tell her that the, lower, the lumber was pre-cut. All I had to do was cut it to length and to be able to do a few things with it. I didn't do anything from scratch. There are a few things that helped me along the way. But no, me, I made it. I made it. Things are swell. And I like what James says later. You see this in the beginning of the book in Deuteronomy. You see it in the middle of the book. Jesus and James at the end uses kind of a Yiddish irony, which uh, you see in Fiddler on the Roof quite a bit. In James chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, James says this. Think about the irony of it. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position. And this is perspective for both of them because he, both of them, will pass away like a wild flower. If things are good for you right now, praise God. Thank him for what you have. Don't swell up with pride. You weren't the one that was able to do it. Humbly acknowledge God has lavished goodness upon you. That's how you maintain perspective. There's another way that comes from Deuteronomy 8. Don't kid yourself. That's what, I, that's what I did. We can do that. It's a bedfellow of pride. Don't kid yourself. Listen to verse 17 again. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. I made this grape arbor. Well, there's no kit involved. I made this grape arbor. You see the first person singular in there? It abounds. Me, mine, I. Some of you, like me, are, are Beatles fans. And a little nostalgia here with the very last song that was ever recorded by the Beatles officially was one that George, the late George Harrison wrote called I, Me, Mine. I think George was kind of a seeker. He, he had a spiritual interest. He got involved with, with the Eastern mysticism. And, I, and I, before his death, I always prayed that he would find Christ because he was heading in that direction. It's, it's interesting that during that time of the breakup of the Beatles, there were these huge egos involved between uh, uh, John and Paul. And it's interesting that the very last song that they ever recorded was this, I, me, mine, I, me, mine, all through the day, I, me, mine, all through the night, I, me, mine. Everyone's saying it, flowing more freely than wine, all through the day, I, me, mine, I, me, mine. It's a horizontal perspective we have based simply on us, on ourselves. So listen when you talk sometimes. If you're not using the first person singular, don't kid yourself. Everything you have, even the abilities you have to be able to produce for yourself, comes from God. He gave us our intellect. He gave us our motor skills. It's just an amazing what we have in the human form because of creation. And we'll be talking about that next week. But it's a miracle of what we can do. Whenever there's a breakdown in it, we see that breakdown in somebody's health. We see how amazing God's creation is when we see the breakdown. 
when someone's not able to function. We see how great it is. Don't kid yourself. It is not from you. It's a first person singular that we always have. And it becomes skewed sometimes to the point of us forgetting. And forgetting is something that, that we'll, I'm going to be talking about next. But, but we become even delusional. That's what can happen. You've heard of that. Maybe you've heard of that term delusion. And we think of it in mental health. But every one of us have a problem of thinking things are a certain way and they're not. I didn't know what delusion uh, was until I, I did my clinical pastoral education in 1984, summer of 1984, actually summer of 83, at St. Elizabeth Hospital in Washington, D.C., Federal Mental Health Institution, where John Hinckley is. And here I was with all these mentally troubled people that were, that were you know, kept in and they were admitted. And I was told about delusions. And I was trained, you don't go with a person's delusion. And I didn't realize what it was. Sometimes it's sad. It is sad. But sometimes it even becomes a, a little comical when you, you, know, you talk about it afterwards with other folks. The, one of the first guys I met, he thought it was Elvis Presley. He had the wig and he had the rhinestones and all these things. And you, you just come in there. It's just so, so, so bizarre. It's so bizarre. And so I was taught early, you know, how to share to find out what spiritual resources were with folks. So I'm talking to him about God's goodness and about Jesus Christ. And it just triggered something. And the next day I saw him, he wasn't Elvis anymore. He was Jesus. <laughs> he was triggered with that. And he, he, it was, it was, it's comical in retrospect now, but there were times where I would be talking to him. He said, just a minute, my father's telling me something. He says, you're doing a good job, Jeff, but he doesn't hear from you enough. I thought, well, God, maybe God is speaking to this person. But, you know, we see that in extreme forms, but we ourselves don't see the subtlety of our own delusions. We do kid ourselves when we're turned inward, when we use first-person plural, when we just leave everything aside except our own lives. We become delusional. In Ezekiel 28, verse 2, the Lord has something severe to say about this. He says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In the pride of your heart, you say, I am a God. I sit on the throne of a God in the heart of the seas. But you are a man. You are a woman. You are the product of creation. You are not a God, though you think you are as wise as a God. We're, it's common for all of us because we suffer from being subtly delusional. We kid ourselves. I catch myself kidding myself. And I've told you about my vice of being on the freeway. I often bring this up because that's where I learn a lot about myself in painful ways. I think I'm the only entity out there. You know, why is everyone out here by themselves on a Saturday? I'm one of those. I forget. I kid myself. I'm delusional. I don't maintain my perspective. I don't acknowledge that what I have is lavished upon me without merit. I don't say grace to God. I don't maintain my perspective. And I don't remember what God has done for me. I swell up. I kid myself. And the byproduct of that is not remembering. So the other thing I want to say about maintaining perspective is don't forget. I've used it a few times, but that's something we need to do. Don't swell up with pride. I'm talking to myself as well. Don't kid yourself. I'm talking to myself as well. Don't forget. And we are so busy that we lose sight 
of things. We cram our brains full of information. I saw this little uh, thing on the Internet that someone sent to me, a little circle that represents our lives. And uh, this is where our lives are broken down into segments. And it's usually pretty consistent with most people, divided into five. And one of them would be the things that, go ahead, Dave, working. You got working. It takes up about that chunk, 25, or sleeping. And you got a little bit of eating. And most of the other stuff is like looking for things I just had a minute ago. <laughs> you know what that's like. You've suffered dystonesia. I'll be working on a project and I'll carry the screwdriver with me and I'll put it on top of the refrigerator. Why did I put it on top of the refrigerator? Because there was something in my mind where I was headed towards something else that I wanted some information It was cramming it out. I didn't even realize I put it on top of the refrigerator. Thank goodness I haven't put it in the refrigerator, but every once in a while I'll put it on top of the refrigerator. Our minds are just so crammed full of what we have in our lives. And God is aware of that. He says in Deuteronomy 8.11, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe His commands, His laws, and His decrees. Verse 18, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. The Hebrew word for, for forget is kind of an interesting word. It's apropos, shakach. It means wither. Don't weather. Don't abandon. It means cease to care. Shakach. I cease to care. And that's what forgetting is. Sometimes it's a good thing when you shouldn't remember and you cease to care no more. There's no hill to die on. But there are times when things should be cared for that we shakach, that we abandon, that we let fall and wither, that we cease to care about. It's a little harsher than our English word forget. And if you've ever been forgotten, you felt that. Have you ever been forgotten? I've been forgotten. You know that chopped liver syndrome? What am I, chopped liver? You're forgotten, you're abandoned. Nobody cares. They may not, they may care, but they don't act like they care. And so you turned in where everyone's forgotten me. I've been abandoned. I feel that way sometimes. You know what that's like. That's what forgetting is, ceasing to care. But Psalm 10, 4 says this. It captures severity of it. In his pride, the wicked one does not seek him. He forgets in all his thoughts. There is no room for God. You see, God gave us a certain capacity to be able to hang on to things and information. And that's why he gives us his word. That's why we're here this morning trying to hear it and listen to it and learn from it. What causes us to forget so often? Well, you, you could say our brain cells have so much capacity to retain information. I'm aware there are medical conditions involved, but there's just so much going on in our lives. We're focused horizontally. We're distracted. And we forget about things. It's, it's, it's our perspective that is based on our own lives that we forget. The key to that is God's goodness is focused vertically and not horizontally. We forget there was a, a situation we've had here recently with this building and our staff. And we had two or three keys among ourselves. So a few of them were designated to go out. All right. I'm going to be real nice about this because it came back to me. It came back to haunt me, didn't it? I'm not looking at any people over here to the right, but 
There was one person that forgot to put the key back, and I came up here on a Monday morning, or a Monday morning, and I couldn't find it. It wasn't back where it was supposed to be. We had the one key. So uh, I addressed people, staff, about this. We need to remember. Let's not forget. And I won't tell you who it is, but this guy's tall and plays guitar. And, <laughs> and it's not Jim Minch. But there was a repercussion from this. Because all of a sudden, one key went missing. I thought, who forgot the key? Well, guess what Jeff decided to do? Laundry. And Jeff found that key. I think Brian put it there. <laughs> I apologize to Brian. I said, Brian, I, I was scolding you about forgetting, and I forgot. Because my mind was so crowded with other things, I was going about. I put the key in my back pocket, and I didn't put it back, and I thought I did. I forgot that I didn't remember. <laughs> and you know what that's like? There are times every once in a while, worse than my advantage, I'll forget that I did remember. We're just so horizontally focused that we forget things and God doesn't want us to. He doesn't want us to crowd Him out. He doesn't want to be shakacked. Listen to the words of Ecclesiastes 12, 1 and 2 and note how it is qualified. Remember your creator's creator in the days of your youth while you've got fresh brain cells. <laughs> Before the days of trouble come, when busyness hijacks your perspective and your years, the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Those are the troubles brought about by all the things that we put into our lives. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. Be careful you do not forget the Lord your God. Remember the Lord your God for he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. We need to maintain our perspectives. We need to be focused vertically not horizontally. And I pray that we are in this Thanksgiving season. I pray that you will as well. I don't know what Cheryl Crow was thinking when she wrote the words to soak up the sun, but I think it relates here. And I always enjoyed some of the words that she wrote. It's kind of relevant. I don't have digital. I don't have diddly squat. It's not having what you want. It's wanting what you've got. I'm going to soak up the sun while it's still free. I'm going to soak up the sun before it goes out on me. Every, every time I feel lame, I'm looking up. I'm looking up. And I pray that we can maintain our perspective, not just for Thanksgiving, but in our lives. That we know it is the Creator who gives us the goodness that we, that we enjoy as His creation. And so, like G.K. Chesterton, I want you to try this. This is somebody that influenced the lives of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. G.K. Chesterton wrote this in, in the early 19th century. He says, you say grace before meals, all right. But I say grace before the play and the opera and grace before the concert and the pantomime and grace before I open a book and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. I want us to say grace with our lives before and after anything. God gives us, so we deem as goodness, and there's a whole lot of goodness out there. Would you bow in prayer, please? Lord, we see in your word that when we look up to the night sky, 
we see the work of your hands. We see the moon. We see the stars. And we know that you set those in place. And we may ask, what are we as mere mortals that you should think about us? What are we as human beings that you should care for us and not forget us? Who are we, Lord? Everything you've given us, Lord, according to your word, is good. And nothing is to be rejected. If we receive it, Lord, with thanks. If we acknowledge your goodness, because it is from you. And so, Lord, I just pray that in our lives, whatever we eat, whatever we drink, whatever we do, Lord, that we want to look to you in recognition. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California. 